Good morning. It is Wednesday, May the 31st, the last day of May, 2023, in the year of our Lord. I'm J.D. Walt. I had to think about that for a minute. I'm J.D. Walt, and this is your wake-up call. Okay, let's get our bearings. Let's recapture our gravity as we start this day together. Wake up, sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Jesus, I belong to you. I lift up my heart to you. I set my mind on you. I fix my eyes on you. I offer my body as a holy and living sacrifice to you. Jesus, we belong to you. Praying in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today's entry is called On Our Infinite Capacity for Self-Deception. Our text is from Romans chapter 7, verses 11 through 13. Hear the word of the Lord. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me, and through the commandment put me to death. So then, the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. Nevertheless, in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it used what is good to bring about my death, so that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. The word of the Lord. Now consider this. Perhaps now is a good time to recall the Venn diagram from last week. Again, draw two circles side by side and overlapping by about one-third. On the left side of the left circle, write the word sin. On the right side of the right circle, write the word grace. And in the overlap, write the word vertigo. Vertigo, you remember, is the place of a loss of balance, the confused and frustrated place of being caught and even tossed to and fro by competing gravities. These two circles might also be depicted in a vertical fashion, which lifts out a number of other insights. Throughout Romans chapters 5, 6, 7, and 8, Paul sets up the astonishing transformational shifts of the gospel from Adam to Jesus, from slavery to freedom, and from life in the flesh to life in the spirit. 
You might go ahead and write Adam, slavery, and flesh on the left side of the left circle, and Jesus, freedom, and the Spirit on the right side of the right circle. Again, the larger reality we are mapping is the movement from the occupied territory of sin to the promised land of grace. Chapter 7 depicts for us the difficulty and dastardly condition of living neither fully in sin nor in grace, but somewhere in between these places. Today's text names the nature of this place, this between place, that is both sin and grace, and yet neither sin nor grace. See if you can spot the term. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me, and through the commandment put me to death. Yes, the word is deception. Sin deceives us into believing God is not good but evil, that God is not for us but against us, and that God's will is not for our best but for our worst. Sin deceives us by telling us what we want for our lives God does not want. Sin deceives us by convincing us God is not trustworthy. The height of deception is how sin can convince us that sin is not actually sin, that good is not actually good, and that God is not actually God. Reaching all the way back to Romans 1, sin leads human beings created in the image of God, to trade in the truth of God for a lie and worship created things rather than the Creator. Nevertheless, in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it used what is good to bring about my death. Sin takes that which is good and uses it to bring about death. And yes, it is the deception that creates the vertigo, the place where up seems down and wrong seems right, where black and white become a thousand shades of gray, and where we become our own worst enemy. It's the place where one thing leads to another, and we become lost in the deep woods with a baptismal certificate in our backpack and no idea how we got here or how to get out. Romans 7 is not a picture of gospel life. While vertigo, in the sense we are talking, is all too common, it is not the normal Christian life. It is real, to be sure but not a required course in the curriculum of Jesus. The reason we get stuck there is because we have not sufficiently understood sin and grace and justification and repentance and Jesus and the Spirit and all we've been working our way through in these weeks in Romans. 
closing today, I've learned two things. Number one, sin is infinitely sophisticated. And two, a human being's capacity for self-deception is almost infinite. Even a Christian, and maybe especially a Christian, one need only look at the stream of high-profile Christian leaders falling into scandalous sin to grasp this. Sin takes that which is good and twistedly uses it to bring about our death. But God takes what is bad and graciously uses it to bring about our life. This is the story of the gospel. This is the story of Jesus. The prayer. Father, how we marvel at the gospel who is Jesus Christ. Yet today, I want to come to grips with my own capacity not only to be deceived, but to deceive myself. I simply place myself at your feet and say, Lord, have mercy on me. Bring me beyond the false piety of self-deprecation and into the place of true humility. I want to continue to renounce my self-will, my self-righteousness, my self-assuredness, all of which are manifestations of my false self, and all of which are dead and buried now. Holy Spirit, empower me to rise up into my new and true self in Jesus Christ, alive and free, filled with all the fullness of God, and running the race marked out for me. Praying in Jesus' name, amen. The question, are you aware of your own capacity for self-deception? What, is, what has been your experience of this condition we are describing as spiritual vertigo? How do you deal with it? I'm hearing my Lucy back there. Some of you said you missed her. Well, I'm wondering if this mic's picking her up. She is yelling at me or somebody right now. Well, our hymn today, we're going to continue with Standing on the Promises. It's hymn 434 in our seedbed hymnal, Our Great Redeemer's Praise. We're going to sing the last three verses and the choruses between. And how about we stand as we sing today? Standing on the promises I now can see, perfect present cleansing in the blood for me, standing in the liberty where Christ makes free, standing on the promises of God, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. 
standing on the promises of Christ the Lord, bound to him eternally by love's strong cord, overcoming daily with the Spirit's sword, standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Last verse. Standing on the promises, I cannot fall. Listening every moment to the Spirit's call, resting in my Savior as my all in all, standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing. Standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Amen. You know, as I'm sitting there singing this today, <laughs> I thought <laughs> I never imagined, maybe I think I secretly hoped, but I never imagined becoming a recording artist. <laughs> I've, I've sung a ton of hymns now on recordings that are all over the internet. Now, I think maybe I'd hoped I'd become like a country music star at some point. I think that ship has sailed. It was a very brief career. I'll tell you about it sometime. But, uh, yeah, now I'm a recording artist of the great hymns of our great God, of our great hymnal, our great Redeemer's praise. So, man, that's going to go forever. My kids one day, maybe their kids, will hear these recordings. They'll somehow (laughs) dig them up from some obscure place where things go to die on the Internet, and there they'll be. All right, guys. It's Wednesday. It's the last day of our Wildfires Festival. Let's pray. Let's pray for great awakening through this festival in the land of England. You know, the church, there's only one continent in the world on which the church is actually in decline. That's Europe. And let me tell you, there there is a wave rising up in England. We know so many apostolic figures. I've just met them over the past 20 years. People like Matt Redman and Tim Hughes and Pete Hughes, his brother, and Miriam Swanson, and Pete Gregg, and Al Gordon, and I mean, we could go on and on. Um, These were the real deal, Rich Wilson. These people, I mean, they are pushing a frontier, a new frontier in an old land. So let's pray for them. Let's pray for them. Let's encourage them. Let's get behind them and say, come Holy Spirit, blow like the wind, flow like the river through that land again. Hey, that was a song. (laughs) 
I'm going to have to go back and listen to that. Maybe there's a, 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 a germ of a song right there. Anyway, guys, got to go. Today to sow. Get your seed. I'm, uh, you're back here in America, most of you. You're in other parts of the world. I'm in England. I'm counting on you today. Let's sow like we mean it. For The Awakening, I'm J.D. Walt. We hope that today's entry challenged and encouraged you. And thanks for listening to The Wake Up Call, powered by Seedbed. Be sure to share this with a friend. Leave us a rating and subscribe wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. Find out more and join the movement by visiting our website at seedbed.com slash wakeupcall.